0: This is the time of year where, you know, some hope, some energy is coming to life. I know it's a little bit tricky. There's still some snow happening every once in a while. But the season is starting to change. You know, we switch to daylight savings. There's this hopefulness of, hey, summer is coming again, right? That warm weather will be back, vacations, trips, whatever it is. And, And I don't know what your, like, I just can't wait for this thing is. Like, we each have our own thing that helps us get through the hard days. Like, I'm just looking forward to this. It might be, you might have visitors coming. Maybe if you're a kid, it's like, oh, school, when does school end? When is it gonna be summer? It's a different thing for the parents. But what is that thing that you're longing for? You know, I know for my family, uh, for the last month, I think, I've heard about uh, my five-year-old's upcoming birthday, which is still about a month away. And so there's been a lot of party planning, a lot of gift planning, and it just, I can't wait for that day to come. And, and for some of us, that maybe shifts over time, and it's, I can't wait for retirement to come. And there's this hope of like, what I'm going to do with my time, what I'm going to have this, this, with this new uh, life that's ahead of me. But we all have something that we probably are thinking about of like, I can't wait for this thing. And in our story, we've been walking through a lot of wilderness stories. uh, And we've been walking through a lot of times with the people of Israel as they've been wandering through the wilderness. And they've been longing for a promised land. And that's all that they've been wanting. I just want to get to the destination. And they keep wandering and wandering. And in today's text, we get a note about, hey, it's time to go forward. We're going to talk about the difficulties of actually moving forward but hear this of like in the expectation of what it sounds like to the people who have been wandering for so long Deuteronomy 1 verse 6 through 8 the Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb or Mount Sinai saying you have stayed long enough at this mountain resume your journey Go into the hill country of the Amorites as well as into the neighboring regions, the Arabah, the hill country, the Shephelah, the Negev, the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have set a land before you. Go and take possession of the land that I swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their descendants after them. That's like celebration kind of text. You know, it's like we have finally made the day where God's saying, hey, go. And for some of us, pausing is really challenging. You just want to get to the next chore, you want to get to the next activity, and you're like, okay, God, when do I get to go? And God says, hey, go. Leave the mountain, go. Return on the mission. Go enter into the land. You know, the one that I promised people a long time ago. Man, you remember what your your parents, your grandparents used to talk about, what their hopes and dreams were? You remember what their, like your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, people for a long time have dreamed of this day. It's time to go. And you've got that expectation. And in this story, Moses is talking to the the Israelites on the other side of the Jordan River. He's on the other side of the Promised Land, and he's talking to a people who are, are on the cusp, on the edge of getting to the thing that they want most. And what they do next, instead of just walking over and starting on this journey and crossing into the promised land, is something that is very natural to each of us. They start with a risk assessment. Well, if I do this, what might happen to me? And there's a lot of reasons in our lives when we have like, the thing we most want right in front of us, and yet we're like, wait, what's going to happen if change comes? What what might happen to me? Am am I going to make it through this? What's going to happen if I just follow God into this next phase for me? And there are definitely some things that are worth being afraid of in the sense of like, let's do things differently because we don't want problems. We don't want bad things to happen to us. Like there's a reason parents tell kids, don't play in the street, right? The street can be dangerous. And the risk reward ratio is not enough for the kid to just get to play in the street all the time of like, hey, just why don't you play somewhere else? But that's human nature in us that we want to, we have brains designed for imagining every bad possible scenario so we can plan ahead, so we can scheme and figure out how to survive. But it means that also when we have the opportunities for something really good in front of us, the same brain is still thinking about what are all of the ways that I might die here? And we start saying, well, let's, Maybe pause for a second. Let's let's take an inventory. Let's do a pros and cons list. Let's figure out our risks. And so, in the story, uh, we see Israel take their own version of this risk management. I'm going to read verse 21 through 25 for us. Uh, the you know Moses is talking. He says, "Hey, see, the Lord your God has given this land to you. Go up, take possession of the Lord." Uh, Take possession as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then Moses tells us, but all of you, all of the people there, came to me, Moses, and said, hey, let's send some men ahead of us to explore the land for us and bring back a report to us regarding the route by which we should go and the cities we will come to. And that seemed good to Moses. He said, okay, I'll select... 12 of you, one from each tribe, and they set out and they went up to the hill country, and when they spied the valley of Escalon, they spied it out, they gathered some of the land's produce, and they brought it down to us. They brought back a report to us that said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So the people are a little wary. say, I, I, I don't trust yet. I don't know that I can enter this promised land. Why don't we just send some people, particularly not me, Let's send some representatives. They can go into the land first. They can spy it out. And then let's talk about it some more. So they, they pick 12 people. It's a great biblical number, right? The 12 tribes. Jesus has 12 disciples. They send 12 people into the land. And they go into the land. And the worst case scenario, if you're scared, they come back with a good report. Because, you know, there's no reason to send people out there unless some people are thinking, I want a bad report. I'm not going in there. Because that's what fear does. And it's just too risky. It's too scary. But they come back and they say, man, this land is amazing. Here, taste. We brought some stuff back. This is the promised land. Let's go. But what if I'm not ready? And so the danger, the fear of what happens if, if this isn't successful, what's going to happen to me if, if this isn't actually the way we're supposed to go, how do I know if I'm supposed to go into this place, or is just this just going to be the end of me? Uh, that fear overwhelms the people. That fear keeps them from moving, it makes them inactive. We like to use a nice word of, well, I just hesitated, you know, I would have acted, um, just give me enough time. But they pause there and they're not sure what to do. And so they're afraid because of the risk. And it's risky because success isn't guaranteed in life. Like Nothing that has a great reward uh, doesn't have a little bit of risk with it. And if you thought about, like if we decided as a state to hold a lottery in which you didn't have to pay a buy-in, you could just go grab a ticket, a lot of people would get tickets, right? (laughs) If there's no risk and I only get reward, wonderful. But life is filled with the risk side to the reward. And uh, I can't always, I can't always uh, avoid thinking about, uh, my mom always tells a story, when my dad was a retail store manager, they moved from city to city, start a new place, start a new place, start a new place. And the retail he was with was Kmart back when Kmart was the big retail store. He decided to move on to a little, tiny regional chain based out of Arkansas called Walmart. And Kmart thought, this is silly of you to go to this small regional chain. We're the big retail company. And my dad wanted to get stock in the company as it was growing. And my mom's like, why would we buy stock in a little regional chain? Obviously, a lot of risk. And yet also, potentially, a lot of reward if you take some of those risks. Uh, But the people on the edge of the Jordan are saying, I just don't think I can cross. And so they do what is human nature, and they start sabotaging this journey. And so uh, I was in a conference this last week, and I can't help but I just want to share their language on this kind of thing. Uh, Todd Bolzinger, he does a lot of leadership around adaptive leadership. He has a really great book that's about canoeing the mountains, and it's about Lewis and Clark going up to the mountains, and and they were tasked with, take canoes, find the water route across the country. Well, when you get tasked with a thing that is impossible, because there is no water route all the way across the country, at some point they had to do the hard task of leaving canoes behind and walking forward in a different way. And so his book's really great, and and he was talking about change, and and he had a really interesting thing to say. He said, you have not won change when you get votes for change. You've won change when you've survived the first sabotage. Because uh, we tend to think that acts of sabotage are the bad things that evil people do, Uh, but acts of sabotage are the human things that anxious people do. And when people are scared, when they're anxious, they start acting out, they start sabotaging because they're so afraid of what happens next. And they think, I don't, I'm so afraid of what might happen that I would just rather burn it all down. I would rather destroy it just because I'm so scared of what that next thing looks like. And so in our text today, they're on this bank. They've got this great report of what's coming up next. And then it says, But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents. I love that little line. Where were they grumbling? In their tents. (laughs) Not where everybody could hear it, but when I can get you on the side. And what are they grumbling about? It's because the Lord hates us that he brought us out of the land of Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we headed? Our kindred have made our hearts melt by reporting this message. So a people who have been wandering in the wilderness, a people the same people who said, can we just go back to Egypt where we were slaves because the wilderness is so bad, are standing in the wilderness saying, how dare you send us into the promised land? Don't, do you just want to destroy us? And putting that even on God, God just brought us here to ruin us. There's something that happens when, when we get entrenched and we're afraid. We start um, giving what's called like an attribution error where we, we, we take the people that are on the other side of an issue and we, we assume the worst motivations and intentions. It's not that they have a different plan, it's that they're bad people. And so it's not that, you know, it's like, oh, I don't really want to enter the, into Israel, but, but God wants me to. Well, God must just want to destroy us. And we're so quick when we, when we have disagreements to expect the worst in somebody. If you've ever just been around any politics going on in the country, when there's policy disagreements, it's not just policy disagreements. It's the other person is evil and hates the country. Like, it's human nature when we distrust, when we're afraid, we attribute the worst motivations. And we do that even to God. Well, God, how dare you send me to my death? And they're grumbling in their tents. And Moses is wondering what on earth to do with this grumbling. And so Moses responds to them about, hey, don't be afraid. And so uh, I'm just going to keep reading for you for, to get a sense of what's he, what he's doing here. Um, so they're grumbling about this. But in spite of this, Moses says, hey, uh, let me make sure to get this right for you. Verse 29, I said, to you have no dread or fear of them. "...the Lord your God who goes before you is the one who will fight for you, just as He did in Egypt before your eyes, and as He did in the wilderness, when you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as one carries a child all the way that you traveled until you reached this place." I love this image of God being the parent carrying their child. God, God, God has carried you kicking and screaming through the store, kicking and screaming through the wilderness, out of Egypt, And now you want to stop trusting just because we've hit a new obstacle, a new danger point. And it's just so natural. We just keep doing this to ourselves. God, I know you were with me then, but what about this threat? This one feels worse. And you might have noticed that there was already something weird going on in the story when they wanted to send scouts to check out the route to go, because these people have been following this pillar of cloud, this, this fire, they've been following God everywhere. And now they want to figure out, I want to figure out the road ahead. And instead of following God, they decide, let's figure out our own route. And so they don't trust that the God who cared for them as a parent, who walked with them, will be there with them again. And so this is the great struggle that we deal with. How do we, in the midst of our own humanness, the next time God invites us into what might be promised land for us, to not kick and scream, not to grumble, not to, not to expect the worst in people and God. But what is it to have the courage and the bravery to walk with God into the unknown? And so the, the good news in the midst of this is that God still moves. So even when we're inactive, even when we stop, even when we fall short or disappear, God's still taking people into a promised land. The question is about whether we want to join in that journey with God because God is faithful to the promises. Even when these people are not going to be faithful God will still honor those promises to the ancestors but maybe we might miss out. And that's like the painful thing of this text is sometimes you can miss out on something beautiful God has for you. Uh, And and in the Bible, a lot of times, judgment is the consequence of your action. So when you act out and, and rage, you're going to then experience the aftermath of acting out in rage. Uh, when you choose a path of violence, suddenly you have to live with, what do people think about me? What are people going to say about me? And in one little moment, it might have consequences. But in this story, uh, the people responded Um, they responded by not wanting to go up. And when the Lord heard the words, he said, not one of these people, not one of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, and then he goes on to except Joshua. And he says, and as for your little ones, the kids that you were so scared about that they would become like prisoners of war, that they'd be taken over by these other people, those kids... Uh, who don't yet know right from wrong, they shall enter that land, and I will give it to them as their possession. But as for you, journey back into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. That is about as difficult of something to hear when you've been murmuring through a wilderness, you've gotten to the end point, and you say, hey, turn all the way back around. Go back to step one. But you'll never actually get to the end of these steps. Somebody else will. And that is a difficult, weighty punishment uh, that you're going to miss out on this beautiful prompt. lane. It was right in front of you. I said, go in, and you said no. And so you have to turn around, go to, uh, i thinking about Monopoly now, go to jail, don't pass go, don't collect $200. Just turn all the way back around. And... In that moment, the people realize, wait, I don't want that. Wait, I don't want the consequences of what I just said I wanted to do. So they actually start getting all their gear together. They're like, no, we were ready to go. Um, God, we'll, we'll go. Can I, can I still go? So they get all their, their weapons together. They, they get all their stuff. And, and they go back to God. And God wasn't having any of it um so the people answered we've sinned against the lord we're ready to go up to fight just as the lord our god commanded us so all of you all the people strapped on your battle gear now you feel brave right oh yeah i get my weapons i get my shield uh and and you thought it easy to go up into the hill country but the lord said say to them don't go up and don't fight for i am in the midst of you and otherwise i am not in the midst of you otherwise you will be defeated by your enemies Although I told you you would not listen, you rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went into the hill country. So God tells them, I see you getting ready now that I've moved on from it and I've told you this isn't for you anymore. So you said, okay, God, uh, we're sorry, we, we'll go. And God said, hey, it's too late. The timing's passed, the opportunity's passed, I'm going to bless somebody else. And you said, okay, I hear you, God, but let's still go. And you think how weird this story is, the people who are so afraid to enter the land because they're like, oh, there's no way we're going to survive it, have now been told by God, don't go into the land, you won't win. I'm not going with you. And now they say, oh, well, let's just go do it. They suddenly have the courage once this opportunity has passed them. And it ends in defeat people sad, people hurt, people broken, which again is judgment in Scripture of when you don't listen to God, you end up with the consequences of not listening. And so the rest of the people then have to go wander in the wilderness, thinking about what if, what if I had actually just done what God had asked me? What if we had been a little bit braver? What if we had trusted a little bit more? And I think about that story, I think about the challenge for people is is that we tend to place more urgency, more emphasis on surviving instead of thriving. When it comes down to decisions, we'll be like, what gives me the least amount of risk? What makes sure that I'm going to survive this moment? And we tend to put more weight into that basket than we do to where might I actually thrive and grow into doing what God has invited me into and where God might bless me? Like what What might be possible? But we tend to pick the less risky route. And then we have regrets. We double down on situations when we shouldn't anymore because we missed our moment. And I think that we are invited into trying to live by a different standard. When I was thinking about this text, I couldn't help but think about uh, there's a few versions of this in the Gospels, but when Jesus tells his followers, if any of you Want to follow after me, you must deny yourself first, daily, take up your cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. This counterintuitive wisdom of the gospel that being so afraid of potentially having anything not work out, of failure, of death, of violence, or whatever it is that you're afraid of, can cause you to miss the beauty of what god's doing and so he invites people into the weird world of hey carry a cross around for us of like if you could strap an electric chair to your back or like a a lethal dosage syringe of like the method of execution for your state and say carry that around there's life in it what are you talking about I want a good, happy ending. That doesn't mean I risk anything, right? Like, i got to make the safe choice. And Jesus invites them to see things differently. of saying, hey, I, you need to trust me. And that's part of what we're getting towards for Easter, is trust that even if it looks the bleakest and death seems like it has won, the hope that actually it never won, that there's life on the other side of that tomb. And so when you're thinking about the next time that God invites you into something, whether that's whatever that promised land looks like for you, and you start being really anxious and be like, I don't know if I can move. hear Jesus saying to you, hey, if any of you want to follow after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And that's just a beautiful image. If you you just have that image, you just go through the whole season of Lent preparing for Easter. If every day was a day of praying, Lord, how do I pick up your cross? How do I pick up my cross? The thing that someone might put shame on me for, that they might judge me for this, they might think less of me. Let me carry that because I'd rather carry that with you than go anywhere without you. And so you stand on the edge of the Jordan River and God invites us into all sorts of beautiful new things for ourselves. Uh, there's a lot of people who feel like, well, maybe, maybe I don't have anything left. Maybe I don't have a new uh, promised land. of. Maybe I don't have ministry left. Maybe I don't have somebody I can pour into. Like, Maybe my life's just at the end point and there's nothing else for me. But every person, Jesus says, take up your cross daily. Each day has a new opportunity to follow Christ faithfully into uh, the beauty of whatever God is inviting you into. So I want to invite you to be thinking and praying about what God is inviting you into, what thing we have to deny some of ourselves, deny, deny some of our fears, say, God, I want you more than I am afraid of that other thing. And so that's our invitation Uh, And I hope this image, maybe just let it resonate with you as we get towards Holy Week, whether we could journey with Christ into that kind of situation. Can we journey with Christ through what feels like defeat, what feels like shame, what feels like guilt, what feels like pain, trusting that Easter is coming? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for being that, that cloud, that fire that has guided us to this day. Lord, I know that that guide has come through uh, the beautiful words of mentors, of, of our ancestors in the faith who have who've poured into our lives. Lord, I ask that you would give us the courage to maintain that, that faithfulness, that promise, that, that way of life that we might invite others to follow after you. Lord, I ask that you'd give us the the boldness, the bravery, the courage to follow you, to let you lead us, that we would let you take our hand, that you would let us carry us, that you would carry us like a parent carries a child. And when we feel tired and empty, we might feel like you're picking us up into your embrace and helping us on that journey further. Lord, I thank you. Lord, let your love reflect in our lives. Your courage, your faithfulness. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. (laughs)